Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. If you joined us on Wednesday, we promised a Sunbelt season recap episode today featuring a special guest, but he was under the weather, so we've had to reschedule that. We'll keep you updated when that episode will air. With that in mind, we're excited to begin our bowl season preview series. Bowl season officially gets underway uh, next Saturday when App State, Georgia Southern, and Louisiana take the field. It'll be the start of a banner bowl season that will see 12 Sunbelt teams participate. Today, we're excited to talk about the bowl matchups for Georgia Southern and Louisiana. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Wednesday's episode. Caden and I sat down with bowl season executive director Nick Carparelli to discuss the upcoming historic bowl season for the conference. Plus, we provided an early preview of each of the league's 12 bowl matchups. If you missed it, make sure to go back and give it a quick listen. Today on episode 159 of the show, we're looking forward to talking about the first bowl games in our bowl preview series. We're discussing the upcoming Myrtle Beach and RL Carriers New Orleans Bowls on today's show. We'll dive into each of the matchups and review the top storylines ahead of the game. Plus, Georgia Southern quarterback Davis Brin will join us shortly to talk about the Eagles matchup with Ohio. Caden, both bowl games feature Sunbelt teams that dealt with some adversity this year down the stretch. You've got a Georgia Southern team that lost four straight to end the regular season. They haven't looked great lately. While Louisiana, they lost their star quarterback, Zion Chris, for the season a couple weeks ago. What opportunity do these bowl games present for these two programs? Yeah, no, both of these programs have an opportunity to kind of leave a better taste in their mouth ending the season. They both had, obviously, hot starts to the season, a lot to be appreciative of, a lot to be thankful for as far as how the ball was bouncing away in the season and the way they were able to play in the beginning of the year. But we saw some of that dwindle away. We talked all season long about how much of a grind the Sunbelt Conference was. And I think some of that combined with some injuries for both of these teams kind of just wear it on them in the back half of the season. We just didn't see either of them play their best football. Now they've had some time to kind of reset mentally and physically, have plenty of time to game plan for their opponents as well. The bowl game kind of just gives you an interesting opportunity as far as vibes go with your team to kind of just refresh, reset, and face a new, fresh opponent where kind of everything's on the table. So I think for both of these teams, they both have a great opportunity to kind of put an exclamation point on their season that kind of ended with some ellipses maybe and kind of some question as far as what the end of the year was going to look like and what next season will look like. And this is just a great opportunity, I think, for both of them to, like I mentioned before, get their bowl game out of the way early, not look too forward ahead to your holidays and being home and the relaxing times, but kind of center that focus one last time on one opponent, play your best football possible, and hopefully try to use some of that momentum into the spring and into the next season in 2024. Well, like we promised, Georgia Southern's Davis Brin is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from one of the top gunslingers in the Sun Belt. Well, we are excited to be joined by Georgia Southern quarterback Davis Brin on the Prairie in Smith podcast. Davis, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to come on. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate y'all having me. Well, let's jump in. And Davis, as I was preparing for this interview, it was interesting to me. You've played in a Myrtle Beach Bowl before. You're going to be making your second career trip to this game. Last time you threw for nearly 300 yards and had two touchdowns and a win over Old Dominion when you were with Tulsa in 2021. What's got you excited about heading back to the Myrtle Beach Bowl and playing in another bowl game? Yeah, really excited about it. Um, you know, all the, all these bowl opportunities are, are great opportunities and uh, it's exciting for us as a team. Um, you know, been, been there before to 
to Myrtle Beach, and we had a good time and came out with a win. So I'm definitely looking forward to being back there. Great having you on the show, Davis. This is a team that started off the season six and two after eight games in the regular season, but the month of November didn't quite go the way y'all wanted to in Statesboro. What opportunity does playing in this Myrtle Beach Bowl present for this team despite not finishing the season the way y'all maybe imagined? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely you know an opportunity we're looking forward to just because um, it's one more for for us to go out um, on top for the season and uh, come out on a high note uh, for this team one, one last time as as seniors and one last time as as this. Uh, you know, 2023 squad together. What was the general vibe in the locker room when it was announced you guys were heading to Myrtle Beach? Yeah, we were, we were excited. I mean, anywhere we were going to go, we were, we were going to be excited just to get back on the field one more time together. Now, Davis, it's no secret that this offense under Brian Ellis has been prolific over the last two seasons. This team scored 31 points per game this year. You guys average over 420 yards per game. The receiving core is a big part of that. You've gotten to play now with guys like Caleb Hood, Derwin Burgess, Dallin Cub. And others this season. What makes those guys such special pass catchers? Yeah, they're they're just all playmakers. I mean, their their ability to go up and, and go get the ball um, is special. Uh, they're very savvy and, and smart the way they play the game. And so it's been really really a privilege to be able to to get the ball to those guys and see what they can do with it. Who's your favorite target to throw to? Or maybe a couple of them. Obviously, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, that's a question that's asked a lot. Um, I will say, I feel like uh, my chemistry and connection with. Uh, with Caleb Hood, just from the start, um, when we started throwing back in the spring when I first got here, um, it's always been there. Um, you know, DB, uh, Derwin, he goes up and gets the ball. Um, so he's he's got some awesome ball skills. Um, you know, really, really a, a lot of them, some young guys too, um, like like Cobb, like you mentioned. Um, you know, they, they can do some special things with the ball in their hand. Yeah, we remember talking to Caleb during media days about how y'all immediately had that connection early in the offseason. So definitely got to see that throughout the season as well. But let's talk about y'all's defense. We've seen them take big steps forward in really two huge categories, forcing turnovers and that third down percentage getting the offense back on the field. There's no denying that they've improved under Brandon Bailey in this second season. You face them every day at practice. What stands out and makes them challenging to face on a weekly basis, a daily basis, even in the offseason? Yeah, I've, I've seen them grow a ton um, from when Coach Bailey got here to, to where they are now. And, um, you know, it's it, they're a great squad. And just the way that they fly, the way they fly around, um, very, very aggressive defense. Um, yeah, it's it's tough going against them every single day. Um, you know, they, they get the ball back for us and, and get off the field for us to, to get back on the field. And so, um, you know, that just really helps us play off of each other, uh, offense and defense. So they're a great squad for us. Yeah, it seems like the uh, the linebacking core has been fantastic this year. And Davis, particularly that defensive back end, I mean, it has to be challenging to go up against those guys week in and week out. Yeah, no doubt. They they fly around and, and there's a lot of them that, um, you know, they go make plays. And so, yeah, they, they've I've seen them improve and, and you know, they, they get after it. Now, ultimately, Davis, I think the interesting aspect about bowl season is it allows teams much like Georgia Southern to play in front of a national television audience. Your school's brand is going to be on full display when you guys take the field. What do you want the nation to learn about this Georgia Southern football team and the institution as a whole? Yeah, I think it's you know opportunity for us to display our culture. Um, TDU is, is what we talk about. That's toughness, discipline, and, and united. And so, um, you know, we like to play the game that way uh, to be able to show that off. And so we're just really excited for, for this opportunity and really to, to be explosive on offense and be really, really tough on defense as well. Now, I've got to ask, too, you're a transfer portal guy. You transfer in from Tulsa to Georgia Southern. What went into that decision? And obviously, we're in the midst of transfer portal season again. What would be maybe some words of wisdom that you have for guys who are thinking about making a similar move that, that you did? 
yeah, I've, I've, I've paid some attention to the portal this year. It seems to get crazier and crazier every year. Um, but I would just, I would just say to, to know what your priorities are. Um, you know, for me, my, my specific situation was I had one year left of eligibility. I wanted to find a system um, and a culture that was going to work really well for me um, so I could really have a, a good last year. Um, so just whatever, you know, their situation is uh, to, to really prioritize um, what they want out, out of a new program. Now, Davis, for the bowl game, your opponent, Ohio, has one of the best defenses in the country. I was really impressed when I saw the numbers and what they were able to do this season. They're perfectly specifically tough against the, the passing attack, which is obviously a big part of y'all's offense. What are going to be the keys to your offense finding success in this game with you under center, getting the ball to your targets and being able to move the chains? Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely a, a tough defense. And so, um, you know, really the keys, I think, for us, just and especially for me to just take what the defense gives me um, and then those explosive plays are going to come. So being able to establish establish the run game and maybe pick them apart some short game and then the, the defense, um, um, you know, they're going to continue to do what they do and we can maybe hit them on a deep shot um, and, and that'll come. Um, but just for us to, to execute um, and take what the defense gives us. Davis, last question for you. Obviously, you will only spend one year in Statesboro, came in with just one year of eligibility. What do you want Eagles fans, Eagle Nation to remember you by when your career comes to a close at Georgia Southern? Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I think... Um, someone who's really bought in to the program because really, really from the start, um, you know, I really enjoyed being being here, being able to see the the culture and uh, all the traditions here. Uh, I felt very bought in from the start, um, and so yeah, just just you know, someone who's who's really bought in and and uh, you know worked worked you know and everything I could for this team. Well, Davis, really appreciate the time. Certainly wishing you and your teammates best of luck as you guys head uh, into this bowl game and, and go bring home the first win for the Sun Belt in bowl season. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all. Caden, really enjoyed talking with Davis Bryn right there. I found it interesting that last question we asked him about how he wants to be remembered. Guys like him who've only spent a year in the program because of this new transfer portal era, I think it's interesting. And, and he gave a good response. For sure, no. I think this transfer portal era of football just adds a lot of different new interesting dynamics to the game and to the optics of it. And when you think about some of the past people we've talked about or talked to on this podcast, like a Grayson McCall, who've had years worth of a legacy to build up at a program. Now with the transfer portal, there's players who are able to kind of make their stamp and leave their imprint and mark in one season. And I think it's clear Davis was able to do that. Kyle Van Treese before him. I think both of their individual impacts on the program, especially given just the culture shift with a new head coach, a new identity of offense as well. I think it's easily easy and safe to say that both of them made their impact both on and off the field with what they were able to do their past two seasons at Georgia Southern and Statesboro. Well, we asked Davis Brin in that interview a little bit about this Myrtle Beach Bowl that Davis and his teammates will be playing in. Let's get into it, Caden. Georgia Southern coming in six and six will face an Ohio team that was 9-3 and three in the MAC this year. This game played at Brooks Stadium, the home of Coastal Carolina in Conway, South Carolina, on December 16th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central on ESPN. It's going to open bowl season across the country. A couple quick notes on this game. This will be Georgia Southern's second straight bowl appearance. You remember losing to Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl last year. They are facing an Ohio team for the first time in this matchup. Two wins for this Georgia Southern side over Max Schools over the last two years, both against Ball State. And Georgia Southern, Caden, going to try to win their first bowl game since 2020. We've talked already briefly, Caden, but this is a Georgia Southern team that was 6-2 and two at one point this year. They were the favorite to perhaps play and host that Sunbelt Championship game, but then 
The train went off the, tra- the train tracks in November. You finish 0-4, a couple of one-score losses, a couple of you know blowout-type losses. When you look at this bowl game, Caden, how do they end their season on a high note? Yeah, no, I think when you look at their entire season and them playing in this bowl game, the biggest key for this team is going to be playing complementary football. And it's something they've kind of struggled to do all season. We talked about some of the early season hype we had with this team. Obviously, blew out Citadel to start the season with a 34-0 win. They had a resounding win over Ball State, 40-3. But we really haven't seen their offense and defense been able to play cohesively throughout this season despite those games. I think when you look at games like a Texas State game where their defense can't stop anyone and, and as a result they have 45 points put up on them and their offense can't keep pace and then a couple weeks later you play Old Dominion your defense finally plays well and holds a team to 20 points and your offense can't get things going with 17 points just put up. So I think when you look at this team right now throughout the whole season it's really been hard to find outside of some quarters and some halves where their offense and defense is playing cohesively. And I think if they're able to do that in this game, that's when you see kind of some of these stretches. We've seen teams like Texas State and some of the other high-flying offensive attacks we've seen across the country been able to really floor teams and play well. Your high-flying offensive attack isn't going to be great if you have to keep pace with another team and your defense isn't stopping anybody and vice versa. If you're stopping and finally getting some stops on defense and your offense is turning around and aren't able to move the chains like you're used to seeing, that's when you see some of the results we've seen at the end of the season for Georgia Southern. So I think when you look at their last four games, they lost a turnover battle in three of those four matchups. They have to stop the run better. They're getting absolutely gashed in the run game as well, just letting the other team kind of own the time of possession, let the clock run off the ball and not get your offense back on the field. So I think those two specific points are some things they're going to have to accomplish in this game. But as a whole, offensive and defensively, they just have to do each other some favors, I think, in this final stretch of the season. We didn't see them do it, and I'll be very curious to see in this final game, are they able to do it? Can their offense get some points on the board? Can their defense get some stops to complement that? And then we maybe see some of those results we saw earlier in the season from the Eagles. Okay, and I don't want to steal from our offseason content, but in your opinion, some of these struggles defensively, is that a personnel thing? I think it is, no. I think when you talk about a, a defense that's now changing coordinators, having a change of guard, and they're preaching about the improvement they've made, I think every defensive coordinator has the guys they want and the personnel they want to really take steps. I think about a team like Oklahoma, who has Brent Venables at the helm, who's known as one of the greatest defensive masterminds across all of college football. They didn't look too hot last year. They looked a lot better this year because he got some of his guys in there. So I feel like with this team specifically and their personnel, next year they'll be able to kind of embody and I and identify as the the personnel that they want as far as being in this Brandon Bailey system. We saw them have their moments this year. We saw them generate some turnovers. We saw them have some great stretches where they were getting off the field on third down. And those are obviously going to be the two biggest keys, especially given the offensive identity they have. But in the future, I think from a personnel standpoint, we will see this team kind of look the part a little bit more that Brandon Bailey wants. And of course, just with another year in the system as well, the knowledge will come with that too. Yeah, and I think one of the issues that we saw towards the end of the regular season, just depth becoming an issue for Georgia Southern, particularly defensively. And I think this bowl game gives you an ability, maybe in a little bit less of a high-pressure situation, to maybe build some of that depth, give some guys some game reps. Ultimately, that's better than you know playing against your, your teammates. Okay, now let's talk quarterback situation. And it's honestly, in my opinion, a bit murky in this game. You look at Ohio, their standout quarterback, Curtis Rourke, is in the transfer portal. He's picking up some Power 5 interest, probably going to go that direction. Uncertain if he's playing in this game. But then you talk about Davis Brin, and he's going to be done with Georgia Southern when this season ends. How do you, given this situation, how do you balance that desire to win this game, ending the season on a high note, versus starting to build for the future with a guy like J.C. French? Yeah, I think both of these programs are definitely in 
very different situations as far as their quarterbacks go for this game. And I think if you're Georgia Southern, you're going for the win. You want to send your seniors out on top. You want to send them out on the right note. I've played in games where it's a senior quarterback and this bowl game is going to be their last bowl game. You're pulling out all the stops. You want some trick plays in there. You want this guy to have fun and have positive memories and end on a positive note. So I don't expect any of that pressure. Maybe if we see Davis have some of those interception and turnover struggles we've seen in the past, where we see JC French get inserted in the mix, we might see a change at quarterback at some point. But I think that's just something that's the identity of this team in any game in any given week. We saw a lot heavier dosage of a backup quarterback in this offense than we're accustomed to seeing. But I think as far as it goes for for Davis in this game and this being his last game, they're going for a win in this one. They want to send their seniors off the right way. I think the quarterback position for Ohio is a little bit different. They don't have their starting quarterback playing. Maybe that puts them in a different spot where they're trying to assess what they look like next year, maybe put a different quarterback in or two to see what they have. I know they have some reliable wide receivers out wide for them to rely on a running back who's fresh off of an amazing game. So I think for the quarterback position for Ohio specifically, you might see them almost not really treat this bowl game as a tryout, but be more willing to put different guys in different situations and see how they adapt. And if I'm a Georgia Southern defense, I'm trying to throw my best shots and my haymakers and maybe be a little bit more aggressive, especially if I have a backup quarterback in there. But I think as far as the Eagles go, their game plan is going to be the same, if not more aggressive as far as trying to get Davis Brin and this offense going and sending those seniors off the right way. I think when you have a team like Georgia Southern, where we're seeing a little bit less transfer portal activity than other programs, you're going to see them probably lean into their seniors and lean into this being their best performance they can possibly put out there, especially for their quarterback and leader. Caden, I don't know about you, but it feels like as every year progresses at this point, it becomes harder and harder to actually know who the heck is playing during bowl season. It the transfer portal has certainly added a lot of questions to bowl matchups, particularly at the group of five level. Okay, let's talk about a matchup to watch in this game. And for me, it's this Ohio defense, particularly against the pass versus this Georgia Southern passing attack. If you haven't watched Ohio this year, they boast one of the best defenses in the country. Kane, this is a unit that allowed just over 15 points a game. They were actually fifth in the country. Here's the names that they were behind. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa, those are all extremely good defenses and a couple of teams that were in the conversation to be in that college football playoff. They were particularly good against the pass this year. They gave up the seventh fewest passing yards per game this season. Then in contrast, you look at this Georgia Southern team. They were the top passing offense in the Sun Belt this year. Bryn led the league in passing yards. They've got three or four legit weapons at wide receiver, Caden, if you're this Georgia Southern passing attack, what are your keys going up against what's probably the best defense they've faced all year? Definitely, no. I mentioned it before. This defense that they're playing with Ohio is much closer to the Wisconsin team and the James Madison team they've played this year. And we saw how those matchups went for Georgia Southern. So they can definitely take a page out of their own book as far as anticipating playing a great defense, seeing what worked for you, what didn't work, and leaning into those strengths. But I think what it comes down to is their receivers are going to have to win their one-on-one matchups in this game. When you're playing a team that has a talented secondary, if it's man coverage, you have to expect and anticipate tight man coverage. And if it's zone coverage, you have to just picture the great defenses who play zone coverage kind of have all their guys on a string. They always find a way to find a man and make those windows very tight for the quarterback. So I think when you look at guys like a Caleb Hood, like a Derwin Burgess, like a Dalen Cobb, who's been emerging there's a lot of onus on these guys in this game as far as getting open, being able to be in the right spot for Davis Brennan, him being able to play freely and deliver the ball. We've seen him have problems in the past with interceptions. If he gets on a roll in this game, I'm afraid it's going to start maybe 
starting to collect and starting to build up. We might see one interception turn into another into another. So I think a big key as well is going to be able to establish the pass early in this game and often and having a run game. I think a little bit more of a balanced attack would have helped this team heading into this matchup, maybe compared to past matchups, they might have to kind of look at themselves and say, hey, we're not going to be able to throw the ball all around the yard all game, every single down against this team, have to get Jalen White in the run game involved because just being one dimensional against a great defense doesn't do you any help. So if they find themselves behind the eight ball and throwing a little bit more than they have to, and this defense that's already holding teams to 15 points a game finds themselves anticipating you throwing the ball all day, that's definitely not going to help them at all. So I think they're going to have to establish that run, going to have to not turn the ball over like they've done very bad in these last four games. And the receivers are ultimately going to have to step up to the occasion when they're one-on-one matchups and probably get some contested catches along the way as well. Yeah, Kane, for as much noise as has been made uh, about the struggles of the defense in the month of November, for me, the running back position, the usage there has been very questionable. Obviously, Jalen White's been hurt at times in this second half. OJ Arnold it has been a pretty good complimentary back, but I'm not sure he's that number one back. As we look at this matchup, Caden, let's talk through just a couple of X-Factor players. And I know that for you, you've got a running back as kind of that X-Factor player for Georgia Southern heading into this game. Yeah, no, my X factor for this game is definitely Jalen White. We talked about him a lot in the offseason as one of the conference's best backs. And I think he showed that definitely at times this year. He's ripped off numerous hundred yard games this year. He's been a big piece of this offense in the passing attack, even though OJ Arnold has come into the fold and taken some of those reps and some of those plays from him that we're used to seeing him make it a very high clip. He was still an amazing back this year when he was available to this team. And I think when you look at him not being available for the App State game, that's kind of why I have him circled as my X factor. He wasn't there for the App State game, the last game of the season. He's probably much healthier now from whatever injury he was battling. And he recently announced that he's returning to this team next season. He's not going in the transfer portal. He's not doing anything. So I feel like right now this is a great moment for this specific player on this team. And I mentioned it before, they're going to have to use him a little bit in this game just to keep their their defense that they're facing honest. I think their two inside linebackers are two of the strongest players as well. So that's a great individual matchup for Jalen. So I look at Jalen, if Georgia Southern is successful in this game, I see a heavy dosage of Jalen White in this matchup. So he's definitely my X factor heading into this one. Well, and I have to imagine if you talk to Jalen White, he would tell you that this season was a bit of a disappointment for him. I think that he came in with extremely high hopes. Obviously, injuries hampered him, but Caden, you know as well as I do, these bowl games, the one thing they present is a chance to end the year with an exclamation mark, build a little bit of momentum, and as you said, Jalen has already announced that he's coming back to Georgia Southern next year. You have a good game here, it goes a long way to perhaps getting off to a hot start in the 2024 season. For me, I chose the defensive side of the football here, and it was defensive back TJ Smith. We talked earlier on about how Ohio was going to be with a new quarterback with their 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 primary guy their QB1 in the transfer portal he obviously could still play but the expectation is that he probably won't in this game Kaden when you've got an experienced defensive back like TJ Smith in the backfield uh, and he's got a team leading three interceptions going up against a young guy for me He is the guy to watch here could he pick up an interception could he change the game we know that Georgia Southern When they force three turnovers, they've won a lot of games this year. I'm looking at TJ Smith to perhaps provide one of those turnovers in this game. 
Definitely a good call, Noah, as a former defensive back who's licked his chops at the potential to play a younger quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback or someone who has a tendency to throw interceptions. Your antennas definitely go up in your weekly preparation all the way leading up to a game when you know there's a, an unfamiliar quarterback in unfamiliar territory. You know he's probably going to make the most basic reads possible to start off with and not take any risks. And that allows you as a defensive back to maybe take a couple of risks. So I definitely approve of that X-Factor pick and think it's a great one for this matchup as well. I kind of figured you would, partner. That's why I went with the defensive back. We got to show the DBs a little bit of love on this podcast. Well, that's it for our preview of the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia Southern in Ohio, December 16th on ESPN, a must-watch game to open bowl season. Hey, everyone. We're interrupting today's show to tell you about our recently released Frary and Smith podcast newsletter. Subscribers will receive weekly emails when new episodes release, as well as information about the top Sunbelt football storylines that week. You can subscribe today using the link in the show notes of this episode or by clicking the link in our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter bios. It's the best way to keep up with the Sunbelt football and the Frary and Smith podcast. Now let's get back to the rest of today's episode. Moving on to the second bowl game that we will preview in today's episode, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It features the Louisiana Ragin Cajuns coming in at six and six, taking on Jacksonville State, who was eight and four in Conference USA this year. This game played in the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, a place that Caden you've played in during your career. Also on December sixteenth, two fifteen p.m. Eastern, one fifteen p.m. Central on ESPN. Couple of notes about this game. Louisiana going back to a bowl game for the sixth straight year. They're going to try for their first win since 2021. You remember the loss to Houston in the Independence Bowl a season ago. They are facing a Jacksonville State team that is making their bowl season debut, much like James Madison. They're transitioning from the FCS level. And again, much like James Madison, they got in as a second year team because there wasn't enough bowl teams. This will be the second all-time meeting between these two programs, the first taking place all the way back in 2000, a Jacksonville State win at Cajun Field. Caden, when I think about this Louisiana team this year, one word comes to mind, and that's resiliency. This is a Louisiana team. You lost Ben Wooldridge, who was your starting quarterback back in week three against UAB. Zeon Chris steps in and puts together what honestly would have probably been the freshman of the year campaign had he not gotten injured. Jalen Rayner ended up walking away with that award after Zion missed the last couple games of the year. You've got Chandler Fields taking over late, Caden, and honestly, he's done a nice job. He has come in and played good football. He has not hurt this football team at all. But, Caden, when you look at this Louisiana team, just two all-Sun Belt guys this year, for me, it's impressive that they're in a bowl game. When you look at this team, what are your biggest takeaways from this Raging Cajun season? Yeah, I think when you look at this conference this year, you're going to see a lot of six and six records across the board. But I think when you look at all of the six and six records, they're definitely not all created equally. And I think Louisiana is the perfect example of this. I think when you look at their season game by game and what they were able to do with three different quarterbacks at the helm, with a very young defense and young pieces all around their offense as well, I was thoroughly impressed with them. We obviously saw their loss early in the season, the 38 to 31 loss to Old Dominion and kind of had some question marks. But then watching them be able to roll with a new quarterback and be able to do some of the things they were able to do this season really impressed me. And I can always harp on and will never forget their win against Texas State this year, coming from behind against one of the hotter teams in the conference in the moment and really showing some of that championship DNA we saw in the past. And I think Coach Desermo has kept some of that in the program. Competition and 
a level of competing has never been an issue for this team this year. And you can't say the same about every team in the conference, if we're just being honest. They obviously didn't end things the way they wanted to in the last four games of the season, losing Zeon Chris in that fourth to last game against Arkansas State and then losing two more after that with a new quarterback at the helm. But you can't question their hustle and fight in any of those games. They went toe-to-toe with a Troy team and brought themselves up in that game and putting the conference champion on the ropes. Southern Miss had a new injection of life to end the season into their offense specifically. And they almost, and they took that game into overtime and what was an absolute dogfight of a battle. So I think as far as the intangibles of this team goes, I was really impressed with what I saw from this team this season, just given the hand they were dealt. I think they played the hand as best as they possibly could have. And it really makes me optimistic for them, not just in this bowl game, but next season with hopefully some of those kind of bruises and lumps, they took callousing over, turning into some strengths next year. And I think going into the 2024 season with all their younger players having a new level of experience and then bringing that championship DNA and experience along with them. I think this team's in a good spot, and I'm really pleased with what I saw from their season, despite having that 6-6 six and six record that we've seen a lot of teams have in the Sun Bowl this year. Well, and I think to your point, when we spoke with Coach Desermo during the preseason, one of the things he mentioned was he loved to get young guys involved. We saw some very young players play this year for Louisiana, getting those opportunities. I would expect to see more of that in the bowl game. I think you get a little bit of leeway when you're 6-6. Six and six to maybe season some of those guys up a little bit. And for me, this is a Louisiana team, not to spoil our episodes in a couple weeks where we review these seasons. This is a team that I'm bullish on heading into next year as a team that perhaps could be a top two or three team again in that Sunbelt West. Let's talk quarterback matchup. We mentioned Chandler Fields already. When you look at this Jacksonville State team, they've got an interesting quarterback duo. You've got Zion Webb and Logan Smothers who both get Pretty equal reps in this offense. Chandler Fields, though, Caden, is the guy for Louisiana in this bowl game for the second year in a row. He steps in and has to play in a bowl game. But when you look at how he's played to end this season, he's been responsible for eight touchdowns, just one turnover in his last three games. He's not lost them football games. It's not easy stepping into an offense late in the season, but Fields has done a nice job and. Honestly, what have you liked about his performance here at the end of the year? I like the improvement and just the added level of poise week after week after week. This is a guy who is an experienced guy. He's entered the the 2023 season as this team starter, had some injuries and things not go his way. And now we're seeing this team for a second year in a row play two, three quarterbacks. But the fact that he's been able to mentally manage that and get better throughout his starts has been very impressive to me. I think every single week, Week after week after week, we saw that completion percentage go up. When he stepped in for the Arkansas State game, he completed about 58% of his passes. Then you see it go to 63, 74, until you put on an absolute masterpiece performance against ULM, who we know they're not the strongest team in the conference, but completing 90% of your passes in any football game when you've thrown 20, 20 attempts is an accomplishment. We saw him able to get in the end zone with his legs as well, which I think just shows his level of confidence growing throughout the season. And I think the fact that he was just kind of dealt this hand of, of an offense that was a little bit predicated on a quarterback run game was, was reliant on that run game and him not being able to contribute to it, but still be able to produce at a high level was very impressive to me. I think he's facing a secondary. That's not the strength of this team. The run defense, which we're going to talk about soon is the strength of this defense he's facing. So hopefully he can have some favorable matchups and find some things to work with as far as the passing game goes. But I really love what I've seen from Chandler Fields as his matchup, as far as his ability to grow week after week, you're seeing it kind of, permeate to the rest of his team as well we saw everyone kind of play their best game towards the end of the season when they played ULM and I think we can expect to see that again especially coming into a week when you have a ton of preparation I think this guy's going to come into this game prepared 
focused and, and knowing that this is his last game of the season and going forward, we don't know what this quarterback situation is going to look like, but I expect him to leave it all out there just given the circumstances. Okay. And I'm also, I'm fascinated to watch this Jacksonville state quarterback situation. You've got two guys here in Webb and Smothers who both play a lot. The pair is responsible for 13 rushing touchdowns this year. They've combined for nearly a thousand yards rushing and they can both hurt you through the air. Kane, when I look at this team, this screams Cato's worst nightmare facing two dual threat quarterbacks. I've got to ask, like when you're going into a matchup like this, you're trying to prepare for two different guys, two dual threat quarterbacks. How challenging is this as a defense and more specifically a defensive back, the position you played? It's extremely challenging, Noah, and you hit the nail right on the head. This is, out of all the bowl games, I couldn't imagine having to prep for not one but two, two dual-threat quarterbacks. It's 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 not something you want to see, and it's not something that's easy to prepare for. Thankfully, it's a bowl game, so you have a lot of time to prepare for it. I couldn't imagine on a week-in and week-out basis playing in this conference and having to prepare for this team. But usually when you see a two-back system, the difficulty of preparing for it comes in the preparation from them playing two different styles. That's usually the reason why you have two different quarterbacks. A coach has things or traits or skill sets about one that he doesn't like about the other. And as a result, he's using them in a complementary role, but both of these quarterbacks have very similar skill sets. So preparing for them actually doesn't really change much as far as schematically. I think that's what you kind of are used to seeing with the quarterback differences. When you're playing one or two guys, you're seeing maybe one scout team quarterback come in and mimic the role of one and then another one coming in and kind of doing his best impression of a different pocket passer or a dual threat quarterback. But when you have dual threat quarterbacks, I think it kind of makes the preparation a little bit easier from a mental perspective. I think the challenge is going to come physically when seeing, okay, this one moves a little bit faster than the other one. This one has a little bit more strength with his legs versus some speed from another guy. So I think when it comes down to the preparation for it, both of the quarterbacks kind of being in a similar mold is a little bit easier for the, especially the secondary, just having to go from playing, say, a pocket passer who can really be accurate and dial things up versus someone who has more of an option style to his game. But I think when you look at both of these quarterbacks playing similarly, it's actually going to be easy in the preparation, a little bit harder on game day, though. I can't imagine having to play dual threat legs twice in a row fresh legs back and forth fresh arm back and forth it's kind of like splitting the quarterback in half that's really talented so I'm I'm very excited to see how this Louisiana team rises to the occasion but I think as far as their preparation and the challenge of it nothing's going to get harder than on game day when they have to face this animal of two different quarterbacks that can get it done with their arm and legs hey an early opportunity for perhaps the Sun Belt to make some noise against Conference USA they've been invigorated they think that they are amongst the top group of five conferences because Liberty is playing in the Fiesta Bowl, but we'll obviously get to figure that out during bowl season. Kaden, for me, a big matchup to watch, and you briefly alluded to it earlier on. It's this Louisiana rushing attack versus this Jacksonville State rushing defense. You know, honestly, despite a couple of few performances at the end of the year, this was a Louisiana team that had the league's best rushing offense this year. They had six games with over 200 yards rushing this year, just one, though, in their last four. But they did end the regular season with that 230-yard, five-touchdown performance in the regular season finale against ULM. Take that as you may, but you won't find it on the NCAA stats page, which I still think is ridiculous, but besides the point here, this is a Jacksonville State team that is a top 25 rushing defense this year. They give up just 113 yards per game, and they've held four of their last five opponents under 100 yards. In your mind, when you look at this Louisiana team who's been a little bit inconsistent running the ball at the end of the year, what are some of the keys going into this matchup? First of all, I want to just express that I do think this is the matchup of the game. I think it's all going to be determined in the trenches. I think if Louisiana is able to run the ball in this matchup, 
for over 200 yards, I think it's a win for them. I think if they're able to help their quarterback with a run game like that and also take the ball out of the hands of the tool dual threat quarterbacks that we just mentioned with the run game, I think it's going to be smooth sailing for this Louisiana team. But I think the biggest key, and it all starts with those guys up front. I think the offensive linemen are a lot stronger of a start to the season than we saw at the end as far as being able to create gaps and situations for the running backs to thrive. And I think now that they're a little bit more well-rested, hopefully they can come into this game feeling great. Any of the offensive linemen listening know that in the month of November, you're a little beat up, you're a little banged up. You've been banging bodies week after week after week, especially in the Sunbelt Conference. So I expect them to feel a little bit more rested and hopefully be able to have some really good control of this game and be able to be physical and aggressive and get some pushback on the point of attack. This defensive line unit for Liberty, they're not a bunch of 300-pound slobs who are just plugging up gaps. These are guys that are a lot of 250, 275-pound builds who are getting in their gaps aggressively. They're getting there on time fast. And that's the reason why they're able to get pushback and people aren't able to run the ball against them. So I expect this UL offensive line to hopefully play with some speed, win at the point of attack, and create some lanes for your stable of running backs. And I think in this matchup, you have to unload the full clip of running backs. We talk about Louisiana's ability to run the ball this year. You obviously have Zeon Chris taken away from that. I would love if he could add his element of the run game to this matchup. But I think when you look at having guys like a Jacob Kadobi, like a Draylon Washington, like a Zylan Perry, maybe get Elijah Davis involved. Get as many guys as you can involved and see which ones are kind of doing the best against this front that does well at stopping the run. Whoever has the hot hand, I would highly suggest to keep feeding them, see who operates the best, and kind of just give a variety of backs to this defense, give them a lot of different looks and some different schemes and opportunities for these guys to get in space given their skill set. So I think the biggest keys are going to be that offensive line, and second to that is going to be unloading the clip and using your full resource of your backfield that's been your strength all season. Don't shy away from giving anyone carries and seeing who can really make this thing go. Yeah, Caden, uh, to your point, I was, I'm was i almost a little interested to see if Elijah Davis plays in this game. He had the big performance to end the regular season, but he's sitting at four games. I, If I'm Louisiana, I'm probably not burning that red shirt, so I think that will certainly be interesting. But to your point, for me, as we talk about some X-Factor players, I went with a running back in this one, and for me, it's, it's Jacob Cabote. This is a guy who will be playing in the final game of his collegiate career. He has such a great story, and if you want to hear more about that story, go back and listen to episode 144 of the show. We had him on. He talked about his career journey that took him from the Power 5 level to Louisiana. There were some walk-on years there. He earned a scholarship this year. Just a fantastic story. Probably one of the better ones in the Sun Belt this year. But, Kane, he has 729 yards, rushing seven touchdowns during the regular season. But just one touchdown in his last four games. That did, though, come in that regular season finale. I think Cabote here playing in the last game of his career, he's going to be hungry. I think he's at least getting one touchdown. And don't be surprised if he has a huge game running the football for Louisiana. Definitely a great pick, Noah, and a safe pick. No offense to your pick, but it's definitely safe. But I have counteracted that with taking a little bit of more of a high-risk pick. I'm going with a defensive lineman on this pick, and I'm going with Jordan Lawson. I think it's a high-risk pick because this team in Jacksonville State actually does a great job of protecting the quarterback, and we know both of their quarterbacks have that dual threat ability. So they're just really good at making guys miss in the backfield and extending plays and make it really hard to get sacks. I think Webb's only been sacked nine times this year and Smothers only six times. But when you look at Jordan Lawson and his season, it's a really big sandwich, Noah. The first three games of the season, this guy gets two sacks, a sack, a half a sack. Then he goes on a hiatus and you don't see him get any more sacks until he gets a half a sack 
against Arkansas State, gets another half sack against Monroe and then or against USM in the last game of the year against Monroe, he gets two sacks. So I think he's going to continue to finish the season strong, just how he started it strong. And I'm hoping that if he is able to make a big impact in this game, it'll be huge for this Louisiana team. We haven't seen many edge rushers, pass rushers be super effective against this offense, but I think he's the best one to do it for this team. And if he's able to do it, I think it'll make a huge impact and kind of make it a capital X for that X factor. Well, Caden, you mentioned the word sandwich. This is an important time. Is a hot dog a sandwich in your opinion? It is not. It's not a sandwich at all, in my opinion. I'm a hot dog enthusiast. Every time I'm at a game, you can catch me with a hot dog, but I'm not calling it a sandwich. You don't hold it like a sandwich. To me, it's more so about how you hold it versus versus if it's a sandwich where the bread is in that kind of debate. Hey, all I'm saying is it's some meat between two pieces of bread. We'll let the listeners decide. Well, that will do it for our Myrtle Beach and RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl previews. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Georgia Southern's Davis Brin for joining us, as well as to a senior associate AD, Brian Johnston, for helping make that conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we will be back on Monday. We'll be previewing the avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. Featuring the App State Mountaineers and Caden Joey Aguilar announced that he's coming back for the 2024 season. He's also coming on the Prairie and Smith podcast to preview this game. You're going to want to give it a listen. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, take a moment on the way out to drop us a five-star rating. Otherwise, continue enjoying this historic bowl season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. Thanks for spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.